Modern Animism Radio explores our connection to the plant, animal, mineral, human, and spiritual realms to help you live in divine relationship with all that is. Hello, welcome to Modern Animism Radio. This is Laura Giles, your host and co-founder of Pan Society. I want to start off today's show with gratitude. I've been having a lot of stimulating conversations with our listeners about all kinds of things. This is resulting in a lot of content that you're seeing. So I'm getting tons of positive feedback that it's resonating with you. So I want to give the credit to that for you for stepping up, asking questions, sharing your opinions and experiences. And I also want to ask, what would it take for you to have these conversations in the private Facebook group with other people? Whenever I experience something juicy, I want to share it and I want to share this. So let me know and let's make that happen. All right, today's show actually comes from one of those stimulating conversations. I love how you guys are starting to connect the dots. I'm going to go into some practical ways that complementary duality shows up in our day-to-day lives and hopefully make more sense of it for some of you, all right? So let's give gratitude to our first ancestors, the elements. For all the food, fertile land, safety, stability, foundation, and sensuality that blesses our lives, thank you, Earth. For all the conversations, songs, debates, books, poetry, inspiration, ideas, and things that can't be expressed in words, thank you, Air. For all the burning passions, destruction, action, and responsibility to know when to use that power, thank you, Fire. For all the emotions that uplift us and drown us, the waters that quench our thirst and cleanse us, the deep dark places that hold our secrets and our greatness, thank you water. Thank you to all the loving, helping human ancestors for all the support that you provide to us that we see and don't see. And a special thanks to the elders who are stepping up and doing the hard work of leadership that we all need. Thank you to all our listeners for listening, sharing, and liking us on social media. It helps us to get the word out about modern animism. And if you want to support, please review our podcast wherever you're listening. That helps us because reviews drop our Google rating. And the more positive reviews we have, the more people we can potentially reach. You can also join our private Facebook group and meet people like you who are curious about an animist lifestyle. If you're willing to step out of your comfort zone, we can have these conversations there and everybody can chime in. If you'd like to support and get perks, check out our Patreon page so you can get in on our book club, online class, and group ancestral clearings. These can really help you to bring animism into your day-to-day life so that it's not something abstract or something that you only do on holy days. And if you want to get involved in our mission, send me a message. We're a volunteer-run organization, and we would love to have your help. Before we get into complementary duality, I guess I should explain what that is in case someone is tuning in for the first time or is new to the show. So duo means two. Duality means having two faces or sides. So antagonistic duality is what most of us in the West grew up with. That means it's black or it's white. It's left or right, right or wrong, big or small. To take that a step further into religion, it's the idea that good is in battle with evil and there can only be one. Complementary duality, on the other hand, acknowledges that there's two sides to things and they're partners, they're part of the whole. So there's no battle. Each balances or complements the other. Sometimes one dominates, but there's never any time or place where there's only one, nor is there any goal for that to be the truth. 
So what touched off this conversation that inspired this podcast was a question about whether to believe in science or magic. And I think that's a common concern. It might seem that magic, mythology, God, spirits, and all the things that we can't see are nonsense. They can't be proven, so maybe it's just a bunch of superstition. That's your take. Totally cool. I respect that. The whole podcast won't be about that, so please hear me out and stay tuned for when I move on to another example of complementary duality, okay? So magic. Or you could insert any of the things I previously named as well. And science are two sides of the same coin. They're both air energy. They're both opposite sides of the same coin. So air is thought or belief. And on one hand, that thought is anchored in proven data that can be quantified through scientific experiments. However, in order to break through to new ideas and beliefs, one has to have imagination. So a hundred years ago, Newton ruled physics, and he had for 200 years. So everybody knew that what he said was law, and that was that. Then along came Einstein and others who had imagination. They asked questions and dared to dream of other possibilities. It was in exploring these ideas that others said didn't exist, like the existence of molecules and how light moves, that we got quantum physics. And I think, you know, to think about the idea that molecules didn't exist today is just kind of like, well, everybody knows that. But back then, it was a crazy idea. And, you know, whether you believe in these types of things or not, I hope that, that thinking about it that way at least cracks open the door to the belief in ghosts, gods, ETs, and other things that we can't see. If molecules can be real, then lots of other things could be real. A hundred years ago, we didn't have the science to prove so many things that we take for granted today were real or even possible. Could you imagine what if you had talked about uh, a Kindle or um, a, a digital camera or, gosh, you know, so many things. A cell phone a hundred years ago, people would have thought you were absolutely nutty. So imagination, myth, spirituality, and all that is what made these impossible things possible. So I don't think you have to choose between science and spirituality. I think they're opposite sides of the same coin. They both exist to perpetuate each other. They're complementary. And the more we explore one, the more evidence and application that we can see for the other. Now, let's look at something else that is actually really practical, and that's dialectics. So dialectics are when two things exist at the same time that appear to contradict each other. So I might really want to be asked to go to a party, but I don't really want to be there. And that's an introvert's day-to-day life. So if you're an introvert, I know you're cracking up because you can relate to that. (laughs) I actually like parties, and I'm an introvert. So see, that's dialectical too. Um, So both of these things can be true at the same time, but to someone who isn't an introvert, this can look pretty crazy or like someone's trying to gaslight you. So let's talk about gaslighting for a moment. So this term comes from a 1940s movie about this guy who killed a woman to get her jewels, and the movie's called Gaslight. When he couldn't get his hands on them, he wooed her heir, thinking that the heir had them somewhere. Then he did things to think to make her think that she was crazy so that he can control her and ultimately get the jewels from her. It was really well done, great movie, and now we call that type of behavior gaslighting. So if the lights go down and I say, hey, did you see that? And you say, no even though you did, that could be gaslighting if you have the intention to manipulate or control me. It's usually more like, why were you flirting with that girl? And the answer comes back something like, you're crazy, you're always imagining things. 
even though I just saw it happen right in front of my face. Since most people accept that we're fallible and can't read someone else's mind, most of us will accept that it wasn't what we thought and we learn not to trust ourselves. So dialectics is not that. Uh, dialectics is this and that, not this or that, or this then that. When it's crazy making or gaslighting, it's this or that, so black and white thinking, or this then that. So big difference, real important to note the difference between those two. Let me show you what I mean. An example is, let's say that I want to feel better, but I really don't want to go to therapy, even if I believe that therapy helps. That's an example of um, dialectics. Another example is the ability to be friends with somebody whose politics or religion that you don't agree with. So, I don't like what you believe in, but I do like you. Dialectics. Uh, another example is um, feeling like someone is really hard or something is really hard and resolving to keep trying. Or it's like not liking change but being willing to roll with it because you know that the only constant in life is change. So let's go back to gaslighting for a minute. So gaslighting can look like dialectics if you're not used to being in that space. And the biggest difference between gaslighting and dialectics is that gaslighting is a manipulation tactic that's designed to keep you off balance and take your power away. Dialectics is just about living in the gray area or the oneness, and so there's no power or manipulation going on. So if someone says, I love you, but I can't live with you, when it comes from someone who's living in a complementary dualistic system, it's a statement of honesty and comes from integrity. If someone says it to gaslight you, it's probably meant to disarm you, make you feel insecure, get a reaction out of you. And when I see people talking about the twin flame journey and runners and chasers, this is what I see. So this is really important to talk about because it can be, when it's not dialectics, it can be a way to keep you trapped in something that's really not working. Someone who wants to be with you doesn't run from you. They don't send mixed messages. I'd be real clear on the differences. I don't like you, but I love you is a real thing. Lots of people feel that way. It's legitimate. It's a way of expressing something complicated and probably not healthy. Life's messy, but if someone says that to mess with you, that's manipulation, not dialectics or complementary duality. Gaslighting is more like, I hate you and I never want to see you again. Then 10 minutes later saying, hey, when are you coming over? <laughs> That's an example of this, then that. Another example is to scream obscenities at someone when you're mad at them, then heap praise upon them when you make up. That's an example of this or that, which is not dialectical. If you're dialectical when you're upset, you know that you're angry, but you still feel the love and respect at the same time and show it. If you can learn to see and use dialectics, it takes you out of a space of judgment and helps you to live with life as it is so that you can be closer to oneness. Oneness isn't all sweetness and light. It's everything. It's uh, yin and yang. It's acceptance of all things as they are in this moment. Knowing that life happens in shades of gray and that it's always changing. So here are some hints to help you get there. First, keep in mind that there's two sides to everything. Both sides are variations of the same thing. There is not absolute right or wrong usually. I use murder as my go-to example because it's pretty extreme. And I think that most of us agree that killing is not desirable. But we kill to eat. 
all organisms consume something. And if someone were threatening your life, it's hardwired into your DNA to fight, flight, or flee. And if that results in killing someone, not great, but it's justified. Definitely not ideal, but to not defend yourself could result in them killing you. So black and white thinking or living in extremes is not dialectical. Think of a pendulum. The further you pull it back, the further in the opposite direction that it has to swing to create balance. So if you live in the middle, where all things are, you have fewer big swings and more balance. The more that all things are true, the closer you are to the middle. If you get things you don't like, make lemons, make lemonades out of lemons. <laughs> I almost said that wrong. Or another way of saying that is to look on the bright side. So find the silver lining. We have lots of cliches around this because lots of people see the light within the darkness. It's actually a metaphor that I use a lot in healing work because the ability to see the light when everything appears bleak is sometimes all we have. It illuminates things that we didn't know were there. For example, in a situation that I personally experienced, it felt like I was in a dark room all alone. When I was able to find the light and get a tiny bit of perspective, I could see a doorway. And that gave me the option to leave this situation, which I did, and my entire perspective changed. And this can see, seem elementary and silly, but thoughts are things. When my thoughts changed, my reality changed. We all need to see the light. And where there is darkness, there's always light. There has to be because this is how the world works. So some ways to live in more harmony with duality is to treat others the way that you want them to treat you, especially when they're not being nice or lovely. It honors the humanity and connection within. It's a way of saying, I may not like how you're acting, but I am aware that you're my brother, and I honor that. Another thing that you can do is notice how people are the same rather than different. We tend to be wary of things that are different. This is why bullying among animals happens. They're trying to weed out what's genetically defective in some cases, or just establishing a pecking order of weak to strong. That's not a very desirable thing among humans. Social values are such that we don't condone bullying, rightly so. So to get away from our genetic programming, we have to be conscious about what, um, what's finding what's similar so we don't lower ourselves to our animal instincts. During the fall, things change rapidly, so it's hard to ignore the change. The leaves were so green for so long, and then we got a cold snap and a hard rain, and overnight it all changed. When we accept change and embrace it, allow it, this helps us to be in that duality. Things don't have to be day or night, right or wrong. They can just be. It's really about tapping into that water energy and flowing with whatever shows up. This can be easier if you have a practice or habit of saying something like, it is what it is. If you have to justify things, explain things, or have them be fair, life's going to be really hard. Life's not fair. We don't understand everything. When someone's baby dies, there is nothing that you can do to make that make sense. And life's like that sometimes. I'm not saying that it's not hard. I can't think of anything worse or harder. And being in duality and mindset is really the only way to have that be okay. I think the inability to embrace the gray is a huge cause of discontent and people giving up. It's hard to engage with people who need to be right, don't see the gray areas, or who aren't willing to listen. They can pick out something and distort it, or make your whole life wrong because of the one thing that they don't agree with. That makes them, you, 
and everyone else uneasy and unhappy, it's so much easier to agree to disagree. Or go further and ask for clarification and get to keep talking until you reach a space of understanding. So join with them. You don't have to agree, but if you can have a conversation, you'll have more understanding and no rift. And this is why we host um, talking circles, because that's a great way to do that. So here are some examples of how something can appear like opposites and yet both be true at the same time. So if you're strong and vulnerable, it's not one or the other. You can be both. So often people go for one or the other, though, don't they? They have a persona and they don't let themselves go to the other side. So go to the other side. <laughs> It'll make you more of a whole person. It might be hard if you've cultivated only one energy and that's extreme. But once you get used to it, I think you'll like it more. So the moon circle taught me this. I took a chance on being vulnerable. It was really scary. I wanted to take it all back. But I didn't realize, I mean, I realized I didn't die. And I felt more human and more connected afterwards. So that scary bit just lasted a little bit. And, and I kept doing it. And it was like I was the Wicked Witch of the East or the Winter Warlock just melting. Ah, oh, melting! And when that soft, un soft underbelly is exposed, we're all more delightful to be around. And it's easier for others to connect to us and for us to connect to them. And that's why I can't say enough good things about the Moon Circle, Talking Circles, but there's many ways of doing this. You can want to be left alone and still connected. That's an introvert's whole way of life. So I wouldn't take it personally if someone wants alone time. Some of us need more than others. It's okay to ask for it. It's okay to give it. It'll make the connection better when you come back together because the person was able to get their needs met. So who hasn't felt the sensation of being lonely in a crowd? That's another example of opposites being true at the same time. So connection isn't about bodies. It's about emotions. If you don't know how to connect, no amount of people in the room is going to bridge that gap. Connection requires presence and vulnerability. We can disagree with rules or procedures and still follow them. Staying behind barriers, walking only on the path, not jaywalking. These are all rules that some people find extreme and silly. But just because we don't like them doesn't mean that we shouldn't obey them. It's not just about what we think. Another one is seeing someone have a meltdown. Maybe it was provoked. Maybe it's justified. But it can still be inappropriate and you want it to change. So for example, let's say that you were unjustly fired and you're enraged. So you start driving like a maniac. I get it. It's not cool for me if I'm a passenger or for the other people on the road though. Starting to get it? I can be fire and ice at the same time. I can channel earth and sky at the same time. So life's not all about work, work, work. It's work and play. I can accept that things are not perfect in society while enjoying what's good and working to change what's not. I can have healthy self-esteem and still be a flawed human who's learning and growing. So nothing's black or white. But even if it's mostly black, there's always some white. This is really about sovereignty and connection. When we talked about um, when we talked about what we wanted our tagline to be at Fan Society, our animism in a nutshell thing. Uh, I really think we nailed it. It's the yin and the yang. It's the me and the we. It's the masculine and feminine that create wholeness. It shows up in every aspect of our lives. We just have to zoom out or maybe zoom in sometimes. It's about being independent and interdependent. It's trusting in the universe or other people as well as being wary and verifying things. It's about giving and receiving. 
It's doing you and doing for your community. It's about being open and available as well as protecting your boundaries and privacy. This is actually a big one because I think a lot of people think that spirituality is all about trust, love, and being open. And it is. But it doesn't mean that you give up boundaries, common sense, or caring for your physical well-being. You have a spiritual reality as well as a physical one. If you let people violate your body and your emotions, you have no integrity or boundaries. And there has to be a line that says where you begin and end. And it's up to you to hold that line. So under no circumstances in animism do we ever encourage blind faith in love or trust. You have to be whole and consider the yin and the yang, today and tomorrow, life and death, or whatever opposites that come into play. So let's talk about how to do duality in relationships. I think it's good to start with the idea that there's no absolutes. I mean, there's always some truth, even if it's small, in other people's perspectives. This doesn't mean that you... Uh, agree with facts that are incorrect. Math is pretty black and white. There's no wiggle room there. It means that someone's perspective, opinions, feelings, and things that drive them have causes and are understandable from where they sit. You don't have to agree, nor do you have to do what they would have done or what they did in that same situation. It just means that you see humanity and what they do. If you want some extreme practice with this, challenge yourself by picking a person you think has done some vile things. Then try to see how you could see things from their perspective. It's incredibly hard, but really worthwhile. And I think you will grow immensely if you can put yourself in their shoes. So another way of doing this is, is just a, a different way of doing this, is to read biographies of people who turn their lives around. So criminals who became upstanding citizens, maybe. Um, let me recommend one. It's called Four Bears. It, I've, I've talked about this before, on, I think on air, somewhere, on a video maybe. Um, it's about this guy who had an absolutely horrific life. Understandably went into gang uh, behavior and was very disrespectful to women and just people in general and then turned it around. And when you see it from his perspective and he tells the story, you can totally understand why he did what he did, even if you don't believe that those were good things. Another thing you can do is validate people. doesn't mean you agree. It just means that you're listening and you want to keep the connection alive. So you don't say, yes, I agree with you. It's more like, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. So often we respond with criticism, anger, or data to prove that we're right. And relationships aren't about that. If we make things about us, our ego, they can become about that. And if that's how you roll, your relationships won't be very warm or connected. And if you're trying to connect with all that is, you're going to bump up against a whole lot that you don't like. Because life's not gumdrops and roses. There's plenty of thorns too. So we get lots of practice, don't we? So you invalidate... Um, Facts, their feelings, their experiences, their pain, and things like that, you can validate them as a human, even if you don't agree or understand. If you pay attention to how I talk, a lot of this is practiced and deliberate. For example, I usually say, I tend to blah, blah, blah. And this is because I'm practiced avoiding absolutes. This is a way of staying in the gray area and being in duality. Our language is a reflection of our reality. So, um, 
And when there's confusion, I move into that confusion and change, usually. This is actually fun for me because I like a challenge, but it's not always easy. I've gotten good at it, though, because I do it so often, and things that you do often um, can become strengths if you do them well. So I guess you could call it a coping strategy. Uh, anyway, I suggest that you do this in small ways, at least, to make change less scary and to brace duality. It's a kind of, I don't like this, but I'm going to do this anyway thing. If you play devil's advocate, that's another way of practicing duality uh, or debating. It can make uh, life easier when you don't have hard edges or lines. If your life's not easy, I promise you, you're not doing duality well. I can also promise you that if you start, it's going to get easier. Stress and problems come from not accepting things as they are, not seeing the other side, and having to have things a certain way. Life's just never going to be all that all the time. There isn't enough money or power to make it so. Most problems actually come from the desire to be safe. And if you accept that there is no safety, boom, your struggles are over. It can be like you're a leaf riding on the water and going with the flow. We often talk about the wheel of life in animism. You picture a wheel, where is it the most turbulent? It's on the outer edges, right? If you hang out in the extremes or on the rim, you're going to go up and down, way up, way down, way over. And if you hang out on the hub or the center, the movement is pretty slight. So it's definitely manageable. So that's where I'd suggest you aim for. That's the place of yin and yang. It's not right or wrong. It's right and wrong. It's male and female. It's light and dark. That's a really different place than the mainstream society talks about or what religion talks about most of the time. In some religions, you have ascetics who live on a few grains of rice, praying or meditating all day, away from people. And animism isn't like that. It's about living in a fully sensuous life and being mindful of your spiritual existence. That's what I love about it. You really get to have it all. And with that comes responsibility because it's not all about you. It's not all about now. It's not all fun and games. But the effort that you put into um, thinking about and caring about other people in the environment and your life, just everything, comes back to you. So it's a really fair and balanced system. Anyway, I'd love to hear your comments and questions. Do you see duality in a different way? Let me know in your comments. The more we talk about it, the easier it is to bring us into your everyday awareness. All right, if you want to talk to me, catch me in the private Facebook group. We have a TikTok, blog, and YouTube channel as well. Go subscribe there for more modern animism because the content's different in each place. And don't forget to leave us a review for the podcast. Thanks for hanging in, guys. I'm Laura Giles, and I'll see you all next week. Ciao.